Hey guys, welcome to the Coffee Unleashed podcast where we talk about coffee, business, and everything in between. Uh, We are here on episode 19 today uh, with one of our great friends uh, from one of our wholesale vendors uh, that we choose to work with. and uh, we're excited to be here, excited to chat about uh, their company and how they've worked with us, as well as uh, maybe some tactics and uh, some details with that. So uh, we're going to jump right into episode 19. Uh, remember, if you haven't subscribed already, uh, you can follow along on iTunes, Google Play, uh, or Spotify, get uh, notified of all of the new stuff by subscribing, uh, as well as if you have any questions or maybe you have a guest you would love to hear from, uh, email us at hello at IndieCoffeeRoasters.com. That's how we can get in touch, and we would love to feature who you guys would like to hear from a little bit more. So that is our little spiel. Uh, We will jump right in. Um, I'm excited to have Skylar here today. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and and, uh, some coffee you've been enjoying. Well, thank you for having me, Alec. Uh, Lately in the coffee world, I've kind of jumped back in. I hadn't been drinking coffee for a long time, so... Definitely exploring lately uh, all the local roasters around Indy and especially have some excitement around what I'm drinking right now, which is basically like a dark roast with uh, oat milk Mm -hmm. of some sort. So uh, an Americano or a latte has kind of won my heart over with the oat in particular. There you go. Cool. Um, yeah, so Skyler and I have been working together for a while. Skyler uh, works with Circle City and Kombucha, a big, uh, huge part of the growth of their team and, and developing it from the very beginning. Um, yeah, so tell us a little bit about Circle City, uh, maybe Kombucha in general, and, and what that looks like. Well, for those of you who don't know, Kombucha is definitely a burgeoning, non-alcoholic drink uh, at its simplest explanation or description we'd probably call it a an effervescent fermented tea and what you do with it from there uh, also plays very much into the kombucha world whether you're you're flavoring your ferment with fruits or vegetables or herbs or uh, coffee even we see that coming up more and more often as well yeah, so, and then Circle City, tell us a little bit about, you know, why you guys wanted to, or how you guys maybe started expanding into really a brewery level uh, distribution of kombucha, and, you know, what that looks like. Uh, again, it's for a lot of you guys listening, or maybe, um, maybe not, but it's sort of a new thing that's been coming up over the last couple of years, so... Certainly in the Midwest, coming up heavily yeah. in the last few years. Um, we we really liked the idea of giving the Midwest an alternative mm-hmm. beverage choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see soft drinks, mm-hmm. energy drinks, uh, sports drinks still having a pretty significant hold on the market if you're outside of coffee, tea, water. Or alcohol, yeah. yeah, or alcohol for that matter. And, you know, we, we just wanted to give another option. And I personally have been brewing for for seven or so years before we started Circle City Kombucha. Uh, all homebrew. Had, had sort of developed my own process that seemed to be working, my own style, flavor, similar to wine or beer brewers or wine 
beer brewers or winemakers would have. And it seemed to go well with friends and family. They liked it. And, uh, you know, we've really enjoyed the experience here in Indiana, Indiana and Indianapolis, because largely due to partners like you guys, you know, willing to take the leap into something new and foreign to a lot of people. Uh, and just the industry in general, beverage and small business has been really fun to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Talk a little bit about, you mentioned like taking the leap. I know that, um, when you're talking specifically in the wholesale arena, you know, that's a lot of our focus as well. Uh, and so for some people either to make a change and take a leap in some way, whether it jumping from a diff- from a previous vendor to a new one because of different problems they've had or adding a whole new, you know, uh, product line to their business. What, you know, type of strategies would you guys have as far as helping that go, as far as moving over some roadblocks or... I think <clears throat> it's definitely multi-tiered mm-hmm. the way I'm hearing it. Uh, you know, small business in general, we found that it works best if you're not going it alone. Mm-hmm. You have some help. Yeah. Find a partner. Mm-hmm. Find a couple partners that have, uh, you know, a skill set that's complementary. Mm-hmm. Trying to work a full-time job, let alone have kids or... A mortgage and then build a business on top of that yeah. all by yourself is certainly difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and on that side of things, that's definitely how I feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like business to business goes, for us, it was just all about making relationships mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and also educating the market mm-hmm. for our product in particular. Sure. You know, there, I can still walk out in downtown Indianapolis and talk to someone in their 20s or 30s that, you know, hey, who, you know, get in a conversation, who do you work for, tell them Circle City Kombucha, and they, I still get what's kombucha. <laughs> it, it just, it's part of the game. Yeah. And so education has been a clear focus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, giving confidence in those new partners, those new vendors, in what you're doing and your knowledge of, uh, the product itself really seems to have done well for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, we, we don't necessarily run into as a coffee company, run into maybe the same educational roadblocks, but we do run into the educational roadblocks with maybe new products that we're uh, involving, you know, for us, which really has bridged the gap between kombucha and, Coffee has been our nitro cold brew on tap and uh, similar processes as far as brewing it and and distributing it um, and a lot of similar roadblocks as far as, you know, us attacking um, or seeking out the opportunity to partner with similar businesses, uh, but both being necessarily products that they may not have already been seeking out. Um, You know, for us, we have a lot of confidence that the product will push mainly just out of the sheer quality that's there. Uh, but obviously we do understand the, um, you know, leap that it takes to get there. Um, but for you guys, is there a lot of, you know, 
managing and, and talking through that with clients as far as like just give us a try let us know how it goes you know is that sort of the strategy uh, that you have with bottles and kegs and you know that I'd say the balance there is you know we'll have one or the other as far as bottles and kegs go mm-hmm. where you know a keg is not going to work in a certain storefront mm-hmm. bottles uh, are pretty transferable and universal in most environments. Uh, but what we've certainly found is you can uh, kind of like what you said, you know, why don't you give this a try first? So at least getting a case in there mm-hmm. to see what what happens, let the customer or the partner, you know, explore that new avenue and see if it's worth it. We're always happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be failures mm-hmm. and successes mm-hmm. in that strategy. And the support is what's important at the end of the day. Like give them the confidence and the materials and the education around knowing what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And if they like the product and they feel good about the product, just based on their confidence mm-hmm. around it mm-hmm. on knowing what it is, mm-hmm. it's more likely to do better. I mean, mm-hmm. You know, you can throw bottles in a cooler and hope that the right people come through the the door and grab it. Or, you know, you educate the person at the front desk or your server or whatever, and they they may develop a passion for that product and say, hey, like, you have this customer that's wavering between two things. Maybe it's coffee and tea or soda and tea or uh you know, whatever else. And, oh, actually, we have this new thing, uh, Circle City Kombucha. And so pushing in that region of sales and education, again, has just been very powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us, you know, specifically talking about the coffee arena, um, we've seen um, that same idea working with our wholesale partners you know, understanding that not every, not every wholesale potential partner is a good partnership all the time. Um, you know, for us, a lot of what you're sharing, you know, we as a retail space uh, spend a lot of time sort of curating what we want to offer, mainly because we really want to be passionate about the product and passionate about our partnerships with the people who create those products. Uh, and we're really defensive about our menu as far as um, letting a new product in. We want to make sure we can get behind it and, and all of that. Um, and I think that that's what I like to see when I when I look at uh, potential partners as well is that although it may be more difficult to get that initial sign-on, you know, they could be a large you know, uh, advocate or ambassador for you if you really do your homework and get, you know, get things done that way. Uh, because if they do heavily curate their menu or heavily curate the products they have, you know, the perceived value of all of those limited products have now gone up substantially, you know, compared to a space that is, they have everything under the sun. And, you know, although that that, that is still helpful for your business and it's not going to be those cornerstone accounts that help to drive new, you know, accounts through. Um, and that's where, you know, when we talk to people, that's what I really try to encourage our, our guys is like, 
do, you know, as a buyer of our product, like do your homework, you know, ask questions from us, decide if it's a good fit for your business, not just, you know, be okay with switching over, but understand that there's a lot of give and take with it. I mean, I think that we've had a good relationship that way from, and we obviously have a a different mindset as well because we're almost like peers in the industry but also vendor client relationship sure. as well mm-hmm. uh, so we get to see both sides but you know we have that a lot of that give and take with you guys where we we're very passionate about what y'all do um, and you know so we want to see it continue to succeed meaning that we're going to push it as heavily as we can because we believe in it um, and if you, you know, other people may be listening as far as uh, whether they run wholesale businesses or B2B stuff or things like that, um, if you can get your potential clients to be advocates or ambassadors, I think that that's going to be even a better sales pitch than what we could do. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, I mean, even if something doesn't work at a particular place, if you gave them all the tools... Mm-hmm where it could, you know, they, they've got nothing to say outside of, yeah, it just wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. You know, every, you know, everything else worked. We really like the relationship that we've built. And, you know, that goes hand in hand with if, if you're starting any like emerging food brand, mm-hmm. it's really about starting small mm-hmm. and building up the relationships, being, you know, creating these partnerships and having this peer group mm-hmm. within the, within the industry that are going to be there for you when you have anything from the littlest question of, hey, where'd you get your uh, your tank yep. or your one little part yep, yep. to, hey, like, how do we stack and build up our production to this mm-hmm, point? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, the amazing part about really pushing customer service almost to like 75% of your business versus 25 being the actual product, um, I think is what helps with retention a lot as well as helps with, you know, we see that from our wholesale partners where, you know, we have wholesale partners that were on board before we even had a full production company and they're still on board with us now. And they weren't consuming a product that was anywhere close to what it is today as far as quality, but they joined with us then and stick with us because, not because of the quality of the product usually, but because of that relationship that was built. And so those ambassadors are also tend to be ones that are the most forgiving or the most willing to walk alongside you through growth points or, yeah. you know. Absolutely. And, you know, we've had the similar experiences where you know you you're gonna have growing pains no matter what and those early relationships that you build those early partners are absolutely more willing to be understanding Mm -hmm. whereas you know you instantly your goal out the door is to get on the shelf of you know the the national organic food Mm -hmm. store chain Mm -hmm. and it's like well they're expecting a particular level of performance and mm-hmm. quality, and they're, if you have an interruption of any sort within your model and supply and production, they're 
much they want it on the shelf to sell. Mm-hmm. You're askew, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know getting more tied in with something a little more local where it's face-to-face handshake deals Mm -hmm. and you built that relationship and they're like, oh, you had a problem this week Mm -hmm. and that's going to set us back a little bit. All right, let's figure it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that, you know, obviously we all or really anybody listening that is owning a business, I would imagine has aspirations to see that business flourish and grow. But, you know, the whole training wheel mentality like has to take place you know as you're developing and growing and you know you have to have either your team or receptive people or things like that that are willing to work through the kinks when there are kinks because you know just like us at ICR curates our menu which you know isn't as robust as something else but you think about that and then think about Whole Foods or a large company, you know, they curate their shelves at an even higher level, you know. So, there, of course, you know, it's, it's an understanding that not every product is allowed to be in there because which also brings a lot of value, I think, to the products that sure. are in there. Sure. And, you know, it wouldn't be as exciting if day one they called and said, you know, we want to only do your stuff. Because it's like, well, do they say that to everybody or is it, you know, it's always great to know that you've gotten to some uh, mountaintop or, you know, you've really yeah, achieved something. And, yeah, yeah. And there's something there. Sure. Yeah. Which uh, obviously is just growth as it goes and and not biting off too much uh, before you get there. And um, that's what I think, you know, people can try to run before they walk sometimes from a from that end and and then they lose you know what they're trying to do yeah Um, we (laughs) want to you know you're in business for a while a few years and you start hearing a lot of the same sayings or whatever they may be and one of them that we definitely have adopted to some degree has been uh let's date before we get married Mm -hmm. and it's for the most part, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. You know, it's, Hey, you know, let's pilot something. Yep. Let's see what it feels like. It, yep. Let's make sure it's a, a good match between the two of us. And if it is, then we can move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's a big key for wholesale B2B stuff is like, as the vendor, we don't ever want to feel, or we don't want to ever come off to the customer. Like we're desperate for their sale but that we're confident in a give-and-take partnership, if if that's what you want to achieve, where when you're just begging to get on their shelves or begging to get in, then it feels like there's not a lot of confidence in that partnership or give-and-take where, you know, you should be assessing them and they should be assessing you in the same way Um, because, you know, if you jump on every single opportunity, usually the ones that you haven't vetted well are going to be the ones that are your biggest pain and, yeah, and the toughest children. To, yeah. The toughest ones to fulfill or, you know. So one thing that we've learned along that path has been, you know, we've seen a lot of food brands and beverage brands get on the shelf somewhere and that 
like you said, like they're just pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm-hmm. Let's get on the shelf. And that's like their milestone. Mm-hmm. And when you hit that, the goal is accomplished, moved on, move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And we've never treated it that way. Mm-hmm. We've always been like, okay, we got on the shelf. Let's, let's now sell it mm-hmm. while it's on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So just because it's on the shelf at the place that you've been wanting to get mm-hmm. into for mm-hmm. so long, doesn't mean that's the end mm-hmm. of the, of that particular mm-hmm. path. It's, mm-hmm. you know, demoing and doing marketing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, creating a marketing plan around with that partner to try and create a following within that specific, uh, outlet. Mm-hmm. And that's worked pretty well for us. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can't expect, uh, cashiers at the grocery store to sell your product. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because there's too much out there to make available, you know, especially in the food and beverage industry, you know, there's, and obviously you guys run into this arena, but the, you know, generic brand always comes through as well. Like, uh, and then your price point drops down and you're playing and you're playing in that market, but now you're competing with maybe a similar product, but not as high of quality but then your customer base is struggling with pricing you know, pricing and you know and that's always from a coffee perspective for us that's what's always been difficult because obviously kombucha's in a lot of grocery stores but coffee has been in grocery stores for Decades, 50 years yeah. or or whatever um and so playing in that same playground has been really difficult to you know you know because what we've seen too is Anytime someone goes to the grocery store, usually, unless it's a local-specific store, you know, they're looking for the least expensive, you know, item to check off their grocery list. Yep. Um, and so that's where, like you're saying, that ongoing relationship building has to take place unless you are going to play in that inexpensive price point or that, you know, inexpensive arena. So which, we're, yeah, and we're right on that. <clears throat> that threshold right now and uh with kombucha pretty much every major grocer now has a generic generic, uh uh, private label Mm -hmm. uh, under their own brand and yeah it's driven the price point down considerably Mm -hmm. and one of the things that we're really trying to get after this year is what can we do to bring our price point down without you know messing with quality Mm -hmm. at all and really just kind of promoting this idea of it should not be uh, expensive to be healthy. Mm. Like if you want a healthier alternative to the two liter soft drink on the mm. shelf yeah, and something like a kombucha, like, well, like you said, you know, you look at the grocery list, I want something that's not water mm-hmm. and I can get a two liter for 99 cents or I can get a 16 ounce kombucha for 350 yeah. yeah and so we're we're trying to do everything we can to really play play good quality low price mm-hmm. as best we can yeah. and and push that like hey mm-hmm. it, it should not be a luxury to be mm-hmm. healthy mm-hmm. we really should yeah yeah and that's a lot of the for us in the coffee industry that's a lot of the education piece that comes into play because obviously you know Companies like us, other local roasters in the area, you know, we can't compete with, you know, the Target brand 
uh, generic coffee price point. You know, we one, it's our our quality commodity alone is worth more than more than the price point. Um, so it's almost for us uh, elevating our education enough in a way to where uh, maybe they're not choosing that coffee all of the time, but once a month they are choosing that, and sure. then the product then can sell itself at that point because they're like, well, let me get it every two weeks and let me get, you know, right. and us trying to be creative with smaller bag sizes that help to lower the price point or, um, you know, doing subscription model stuff right. that, that helps obviously reoccurring sales is great. So it helps to lower the price point a little bit. Um, but it's also that battle of perceived value of the product too, you know, generic is always going to be less expensive because it's, you know, white label product that can be mass produced and, you know, doesn't have high quality ingredients and things like that. Um, so, you know, I almost look at it like beer and wine, you know, boxed wine is always going to be cheap. That's what I was thinking too. I was like the two buck Chuck versus, uh, you got something a little more Mm -hmm. vintage or whatever you want to call it once in a while for, Yeah, maybe, you know, obviously with coffee, kombucha, beer and wine and all of that, liquor, and um, there's price points across the, the, the skew line. There's sure. many of options. Um, but, you know, when you do want to have more of that top shelf experience, it may be something where you reach for something that's a little more high end. But you know what you're getting when you reach for something less expensive you know you're educated enough to understand that you know a boxed wine or a light beer isn't going to be equal to a heavy abu you know uh, microbrewery you know it's not going to be equal and you make that informed decision which is the great freedom we have to do that but you know you're educated enough to know hey maybe i do want to you know play in that area or um and I think that, like you're saying, you know, you're not directly competing with those generic brands, but you do want to make things feel accessible mm-hmm. to where, um, obviously, you have to make a conscious choice to choose a local brand because it may be a little more expensive or a little less convenient because of flavoring options or uh, space, yeah, location in the store right. or, you know. Um, but making that choice obviously allows them to be a lot stronger advocates and you know um that's what i've been excited about really i mean in indianapolis specifically with coffee is you know we've seen a big upsurgence in purchasing locally roasted coffee from the roasting location which is great to see absolutely because it's starting to people are starting to understand that like they're willing to make another stop for something like that and I think brands like you guys brands like Sun King you know 8th Day Distillery you know all of these local arenas that are in or local brands inside other business areas are having people realize that well if I want great local liquor I need to go to the distillery and if I want local great beer I need to go to the brewery and winery and you know it's uh it's less big box, which I think also creates a little bit more engagement in the community as a whole, you know? Um, 
your it's like almost the downtown thing has come main street thing is coming back where yeah you'd go to the bakery and you'd go to the butcher shop and you'd go to you know yeah it's not just absolutely i mean the resurgence in farmers markets alone mm-hmm. and my familiarity with that or my knowledge of it is fairly limited uh mainly to indianapolis mm-hmm. and surrounding areas but uh you know, I was just back in Gilbert, Arizona, where my dad lives for Christmas, and uh, the the farmers market in the in the town or city that I graduated high school is massive mm-hmm. now. Like, and that did not exist yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. It was not a thing at all. Yeah. And we're talking the Saturday between Christmas and New Year's, which mm-hmm. apparently is their slowest one of the entire year. <laughs> yeah. And it was very yeah. impressive. Yeah. And we bought a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and talked to local vendors and mm-hmm. that Main Street mentality. People just want, I think, to know where their stuff is coming from. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the big thing. Yep. And then also to engage in just the social aspect of it, where it's like, hey, yeah, I know that guy mm-hmm. or I know that lady. Mm-hmm. Like, I know exactly where that's coming from and who made it, mm-hmm. and I like their products, so mm-hmm. I'm going to keep on coming back. Mm-hmm. And sure, I'll pay the extra buck or two here mm-hmm. and there. Yeah. yeah, and I think for me, from a consumer end, even you know, knowing that I know where my money is even going to, like um, all the money that we spend from ICR or Jenny and I spend personally with Circle City. Like, I know that that's going into you guys and driving your company and building your brand. And, like, I know exactly where it's going. And now, obviously, when you shop at a larger store or or things like that, more general store style or big box, you know, it's going to millions of things, a very small percentage being the actual brands that are creating the product. Let alone the local economy. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of other things that are happening in that space which is fine to do you know it it is what it is but um i think that's what's just been really cool to be both a consumer and a retailer slash vendor in some of those environments is the acceptance of you know that idea of when you want your coffee you go to a coffee roaster when you want your kombucha you go to kombucha brewing company or you know when you want your tea you go to a tea blending company you know and understanding it's okay to go to maybe multiple different places but you know that you're getting the best product because they're the expert in those arenas it's not you know it's not i do everything and i do everything sort of mediocre but you know, you do one thing super well and, sure. you know, that's what makes you guys the go-to spot for that. Sure. You know, and I, I really would like to add around, you know, where is the money going? Because mm-hmm. certainly there's been plenty of talk about sure. that over the last 10 years. <laughs> yep. Um, and that's, that's one of our things for sure this year, especially like we're trying to source as much as we possibly can Mm. that goes into the production of our product from Midwest. Mm. So not only is our money getting into the Midwest Mm -hmm. as far as what we're spending Mm -hmm. on what goes on into our product, Mm -hmm. but you know, we're also a Midwest company. So Mm. just trying to keep, 
keep an eye on at least an area on what's going on there. Uh, You know, and I think the more small business can do that, uh, we might see a pretty significant change in 10 years Mm -hmm. on what's going on in Mm -hmm. smaller local economies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the, you know, the biggest frustration I see... And again, it's all dependent on what are your core values, what are your brand values, and all of that. A big frustration I see is, you know, small local businesses that push this idea of like shop local, but a lot of it is like shop local with me, but I won't necessarily do that. Right. You know, on the other side, it's like they're still buying product that they use inside their shop that isn't local, but encouraging their customer base to shop with them locally. And I think that you have to, you know, talk the talk as well. Obviously there's limitations to that, you know, just because it's local, if it's not a high level product, you're not gonna, you know, devalue your own brand that way. But, you know, if you want your customer base to do that, you as a business or, or a company has to set the example in the same way. And it may cost you a little bit more money or it may, you know, uh, do something like that, but you have to at least vet your options and seek that out. And, um, yeah, it has to be conscious for sure. And, you know, when we started up, it was kind of a grab bag Mm -hmm. of like, all right, this is what we need. Here's our, our raw material list. And you kind of go out there seeking price is, mm-hmm. you know, right up at mm-hmm. the top of the mm-hmm. list, price and quality mm-hmm. on what, what you can get. And now we're in kind of phase two yep. where it's like, okay, we understand the quality that's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a better understanding of, you know, who's sourcing what from where mm-hmm. and what can we do to kind of get it as close to us as possible and maintain product quality mm-hmm. with with this at the same token trying to drive down price, yeah, which yeah. is certainly worthy of a full time mm-hmm. job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the same. I mean, obviously we're sourcing our main commodity overseas. Right. Uh, but we try to be very transparent with uh, that even. Uh, you know, making sure we understand the product we're getting and understand where it's coming from and if people have questions we can do that. Um, and for us, you know, we understand it's a slow process as well. You know, obviously having the core value of wanting to uh, continue to grow our economy and, and things around us. Um, but again, it's a slow process. It's yeah. not, you know, it's like when you decide to improve your green or, or carbon footprint, you know, you, as a small business, you can't afford to just across the board do everything at once but you can take incremental steps yep. uh, and in three to five years, you know, you can be 80% local or 80 to 90% better, uh, you know, green uh, quality than you were before. Uh, because obviously too, you're running a business and taking care of payroll and, you know, people are only willing to pay a certain amount of money. And, you know, if a local product can't fit that, price point then you just have to do what you have to do in that spot but at least like you're saying vetting out those options and and understanding you want to go local first if it's an option and then scale back from there yeah. if you have to yeah um yeah so um we've chatted for a little while about uh importance of partnering together and and all of that and um so share a little bit 
about, you know, maybe what you've got coming up, obviously things that you can share and, yeah. uh, and as well as then how to sort of follow along or, or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, Circle City Kombucha, uh, 2019 is going to be a big year for us. Certainly mm-hmm. biggest yet. Uh, we're, we're in the final process, final process mm-hmm. of, uh, securing a building mm-hmm. for a new brewery, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be built out over the coming months. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometime in 2019, going to open a retail and mm-hmm. community uh, front of house mm-hmm. space, and uh, certainly a lot of new flavors and mm-hmm. products coming down the line, yeah. as well as uh, you know venturing into Chicago mm-hmm. uh, as our next major market, and hoping to get uh, one more booted up by the end of the year. Cool. Yeah. So certainly follow us on. Uh, social media mm-hmm. uh all our handles are at feel good soda mm-hmm. and uh instagram facebook twitter mm-hmm. and aside from that uh yeah i'm just just kind of looking forward to this yeah. year january has been a huge month for us already mm-hmm. and everyone seems to be really motivated on our team so mm-hmm. that's great yeah yeah and obviously if you're in the carmel area uh bring your growlers or, or grab a a uh, glass of kombucha next time you're in the shop and uh, we obviously offer free samples for if you've never had it before or want to try the new flavor Uh, we love what they do Uh, we love the uh, healthy option that is available instead of uh, sugar-based high um, you know uh, soda like <laughs> options yeah. out there. Um, so it's a great alternative, uh, for me personally, uh, just from a personal consumer as well as, uh, you know, our company as a whole, it's been a great uh, ad. Um, so obviously if you have any questions about that, uh, you can, uh, uh, email us or uh, email them directly through the website. They'd love to reach out. Uh, we've had a great time being a wholesale vendor of theirs. If you guys have the ability to stock bottles uh, or are looking for uh, non-alcoholic or a different uh, alternative for your customer base, it's a great option and uh, definitely worth uh, worth trying it with your customers and uh, and rocking through. Um, so yeah, we're, con- we're excited to continue to partner with them in 2019, uh, continuing to learn together and, uh, and, uh, get better. Um, we'll be expanding our, uh, offerings as well from that end. So stay tuned for some of that, um, in our retail space. And, um, uh, if you want to figure out where you can get kombucha, you know, check out their website and they've got a, a cool list slash map uh, type of stuff out there where you can uh, click on some of the vendors that have uh, kombucha, whether it's uh, uh, on draft or, or in bottles and that. So uh, make sure and check that out. Just as long as you promise that the first time you come, you try it at Indy Coffee Roasters. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, and if you have any questions about uh, Indie Coffee Roasters or uh, how you can serve great coffee in your space, uh, make sure and email us, like I said, at hello at IndieCoffeeRoasters.com. Uh, we would love to partner with you, uh, just like we've partnered with a lot of great businesses and with uh, Circle City. Um, so make sure and reach out there. Um, yeah, thanks for being here, Skylar. Yeah, thanks for it. having me, Alex. Uh, it's really fun. And um, yeah, like I said, if you guys have questions in the future, send an email there. Uh, follow us on Instagram and all other social platforms for updates on what we've got going on. And always remember to enjoy your coffee unleashed. <laughs>